Hello and welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast, covering everything from the election to Brexit with distinctly Yorkshire flavour. Today, I'm joined by Stuart Harper, the Tory candidate for Leeds North West and Otley, Richard Wilson, Leeds for Europe Chair, Bill Adams, TUC Regional Secretary, and Nick Skeeler, the uh, Parliamentary Candidate for York Central for the Brexit Party. And we're talking about Brexit and its impact on the region. Now, in the 2016 referendum, Yorkshire as a whole voted to leave, but there were pockets of Remain votes that day, you know, looking at places like Leeds, Harrogate and York. We're going to start by going around the table and I'm going to ask each of my guests to introduce themselves and set out their approach on Brexit. Richard, let's start with you. Uh, my name's Richard Wilson. I'm the chair of Leeds for Europe. Uh, we're a group that were formed about three years ago, shortly after the referendum. Uh, we saw the way that Brexit was going and that it was going in a very hard direction. Uh, we didn't see that the Conservative government under Theresa May were paying much respect to the 48 plus percent of people in this country who voted to remain uh, and we felt that we needed to start trying to limit the damage of Brexit uh, both for the country and for our own region uh, and also to reflect like you just said that the majority of people in Leeds voted to remain so we've been uh, campaigning and growing on the streets ever since then uh, we, we're on the streets of Leeds almost every week uh, usually in Brigate meeting people and getting a wide range of views and <coughs> judging the mood of the people and uh, there's a strong mood <coughs> that we want to uh, either stop Brexit or to have uh, the question put back to the people in the form of a, a referendum and that's where we're at. Brilliant. Bill, it's yourself. Okay, my name's Bill Adams. I'm the <coughs> TUC Regional Secretary for Yorkshire and Humber, uh, representing around 630,000 trade union members across the region <coughs> and um, the TUC respect the result of the referendum. However, we had very grave doubts about how negotiations were going uh, and we came out with a number of tests that we thought should be applied during the negotiations with our European colleagues and friends. We set out to maintain a customs union. Uh, the reason for that was to protect manufacturing jobs in particular, just-in-time imports and exports. We also wanted to protect workers' rights and not have a race to the bottom. And we also were very mindful of the situation in Northern Ireland and having no re repeat of the troubles uh, that uh, ensued that province uh, for 30 years. None of those were taken into account by Theresa May's government and as far as I can see, uh, Boris Johnson hasn't uh, done that either. We'll, we would like to see a negotiated settlement around our or uh, asks but we also think like any good union practice if you negotiate a deal with the management on behalf of your members you always put it back to them for those to either accept or reject it so we'd be wanting to put that to the people and uh, I think as well with the uh, previous colleagues saying that 48% voted to stay in I think there should also be a remain option on the ballot paper too mm -hmm. Lovely, Nick uh, well, I'm Nick Skeeler and I'm the Brexit Party's parliamentary candidate for York Central. <coughs> I'm a, a businessman and a charity director who only about three months ago was drawn into politics. Um, I made a couple of films, uh, which I put on my website, brexit.vision, and people were commenting things like, well, why isn't Nick Skeeler in Parliament? And then they would get answers like, well, of course he's not in Parliament, the man's telling the truth. I think that what's happened over the last three years is uh, has created a situation in which 
the issues of whether we actually have a democracy in Britain have transcended uh, traditional party lines and indeed to an extent whether, whether they were voters for leave or remain every side has been let down people voted remain in the understanding that they had and so did the, the ones who voted leave they voted leave because of what they believed in the issue is now I think whether we're willing to thrash and trash rather a constitutional framework that kept these islands free from the sort of tyranny and oppression and totalitarianism that was seen in, in Europe and so now I think at this election it's probably the biggest uh, single ele uh, electoral event since the Second World War and the people now have a choice uh, a choice of actually electing members from a party who are made up of all of them Labour voters, Liberal Democrats and uh, Conservatives but all of whom think we've been let down and that Boris's deal is nothing less than an international treaty with some nasty barbs in it which, frankly, my father, who was a Holocaust survivor, born in, um, who lived in Huddersfield, he wouldn't have signed that kind of a treaty unless we had lost the war or he had a gun to his head. Thank you, Nick. Stuart. Well, my name's Stuart Harper. I'm the Conservative Party's parliamentary candidate in North West Leeds and Otley. Uh, and um, my view on Brexit is quite simple, is that we've had three and a half years to deliver the results of the referendum. Uh, in July 2000, as June, sorry, 2016, uh, 17.4 million people voted to leave. But the vast majority of people that I've spoken to on the doorstep, both in my time uh, as the parliamentary candidate, but also in the many, many months before that, campaigning with other uh, parliamentary and local government candidates, I get the, the distinct view every time I go out that uh, the majority of people want us to get Brexit done. They want the issue moving on. They want us to be able to talk about other priorities that, that affect them most. They want to talk about the NHS and hospitals and they want to talk about crime and they want to talk about what's happened to their particular family in their particular circumstances. And the vast majority of people, when I've talked to them, I can't tell whether they voted leave or remain. They actually just want to respect the result of that referendum uh, and get it delivered so that we can start talking about some other issues that, that really matter to them. So thank you for those introductions. I'm going to start with Stuart and with Nick. What are you guys hearing from people on the doorstep on Brexit? What are they telling you they're feeling? What are they telling you about the political climate in the country? And actually, are people talking about Brexit more than they're talking about other issues? Or are there more domestic policies at play here? Who would like to go first? Yeah, I think that over the last uh, three and a half years, what's been, what's been really, really clear is that Brexit is, you know, the dominant topic. No question about that. But it's far from the only topic of conversation on the doorstep. People are feeling sort of uh to coin a phrase bored of brexit sure. you know they want to um you know they want that not to be the only story on the news every night yeah I them think, and me both uh, i think more more people actually quite frankly care about what's going on in i'm a celebrity than, than care about what's happening in uh, in the negotiations more often than not they want to get back to a nor normality of life so people are talking about it when you knock on the door uh you know in, the, in a cold winter nights as we are at the moment People are talking about it, but they are also talking about um, the the challenges that they've got in their day-to-day -day lives. That the fact that they want to want the government to build to enable the building of more houses, that they, they want the government to invest in the hospital sector, whatever it might be. Uh, so Brexit is um, 
a big issue, but it's far from the only one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How about you, Nick? What are you hearing? Well, I think I'm hearing something similar. Uh, people are absolutely fed up of hearing about Brexit. And, of course, many of them are thinking that the Brexit party are essentially a one-trick pony, that we don't have an understanding of the issue yes, or, or issues or policies. Um, uh, what you, you've we got to admit, with a name like the Brexit party, you well, understand why. Exactly. <laughs> but it, the reason I think of it is a, a, as a phenomenon is because... There are very few people, hardly any at all, who are what you might call career politicians. Mm -hmm. They're all people who, in one way or another, have achieved something in their lives. And so what you've got, if you like, is is doctors, teachers, um, people from business like me. And and many of them, like me, have got very strong views on, for example, the the way that our social services are working, the way, and in some cases, not working. For example, I mean, I've got two kids who are... Uh, North Yorkshire police officers, 53% of their shouts are mental health issues. Mm -hmm. There are a whole raft of things that need tackling. And, um, I mean, I spoke yesterday at a a Hustings and I was saying, you know, I personally now employ the personal assistance for my daughter who's disabled. Those people are being paid £8 an hour. Uh, They now get paid up to £10.50. And the only losers in this are the Canadian shareholders who no longer get £6 million from the company. So there's massive issues. Um, uh, that need addressing but step one is we have to have a settlement of the issue of Brexit and my argument would be that when people look at the detail of what it is that Boris plans to do if they look at it and they can see that BorisBrexitDeal.com will show them all the detail of it all verified by chapter and verse they will realise this doesn't solve the problem at all and so really from my perspective it's only if you get a different makeup in the next parliament that you have a possibility of us having a negotiated stance with the, with the European Union which is much more robust Michel Barnier should have been out on our side he was brilliant the, whether it was incompetence or whatever as someone who's been involved in doing business all my life I've always known no deal is better than a bad deal this is a bad deal Interesting. Richard, can I go to you? Because, you know, we're talking about there being other issues in in kind of the election, but obviously your group is very much a single-issue kind of situation. Yes, yes. What, what what do you think people, what lines people are voting along this election? Is it Brexit-based? Well, I think it's a mixture. I think there are other issues, and I think that's possibly a problem for the Conservative Party who want this to be the Brexit election. In reality, other issues are bursting in, and I think Jeremy Corbyn is clearly not wanting to talk about Brexit. Uh, I, I've seen polling that indicates that the NHS is a very important issue, the economy is a very important issue, and Brexit is possibly third most important. But clearly, the reason we're having an election now is because of the deadlock over Brexit in Parliament, and the only way we're going to be able to move forward is to resolve that deadlock. Uh, and I would argue very strongly that the quickest and cleanest way to resolve that deadlock will be to cancel Brexit completely and let's get on with sorting out these problems like the NHS, the economy, social care, pensions. There are so many things that have been stacking up waiting to be dealt with and have been blocked by wasting our time talking about something that is purely destructive and negative for our country. Mm-hmm. Really interesting because, you know, both you, Richard, there and Nick have got kind of a similar end goal but with very different ways of getting there you know you feel like you've got to go in a different direction but before I come back to that I just want to hear from Bill and see what he makes the situation how are people voting Bill? Well <coughs> the trade union movement's like you know it's, it's a mirror of the society we've got people who want to leave mm-hmm. uh, we've got people who passionately want to remain and one of the things I think um, that caused such a 
backlash uh, and the eventual vote in the referendum is because many of the areas that were purely very supportive of leaving are the ones that have been affected most by austerity and uh, I suppose people wanted to kick the government and say you know we were having our say. Now <clears throat> at the end of the day you know the TUC and the trade union movement are asking that we get a sensible deal. Mm -hmm. This deal was dreamed up uh, by the right wing of the Conservative Party uh, because of the threat of Nigel Farage at the ballot box. The referendum was held by the Conservatives. All the negotiations with Michelle Barnier, for example, have been carried out by Conservative MPs or representatives. And no Conservative leader has been able to get a particular deal past their own party, including Boris Johnson. And by all accounts, Boris's deal is viewed as much worse than Theresa May's deal. Now, if, if I... If I hear one more time, let's get Brexit done, <laughs> I'm going to be in the Leeds Liverpool Canal tonight, because Brexit won't get done. If, for some strange reason, that Boris Johnson comes back with a majority, it's going to take years and years and years to get Brexit done. Trade deals don't happen overnight. Trade deals take years and years. So the, the point that getting Brexit done won't be solved at all by electing a Conservative government. And so I, I just want to let Stuart come back on well, that. Let me just on. make one more point. Is, and, I, and I have a lot of time, my, my colleague here from the Brexit Party seems very sensible, uh, seems a nice guy. I can't understand the pact which has taken place between the light blues and the dark blues because if, Brexit, if you're saying that Brexit Party are full of people with principles and want to get make things better. Why are they standing down against uh, candidates mm. who are hell-bent on getting Boris Johnson's there? It doesn't make sense. So I want you to come back on that, Nick, but I'm just going to let Stuart come back first on mm. Bill's points about the Tories, and then we'll come to you on the Brexit Party. Sure. I, look, I th I th the last thing I want to see, Bill, is you in the Leeds-Liverpool Canal tonight. I, you know, that, that would be, be far too far to go. But look, I, I do think we are in a position that if we can pass the the, the, the relevant legislation um, as quickly as possible and in a new parliament, then I don't see why a trade deal with the European Union, with whom we're in regulatory alignment on the vast majority of issues anyway, needs to take a, a very long time. We've said we, we will exit the European Union uh, by the end of uh, December next year. That's still uh, our expectation. That's still what we're what we're trying to do, because we ha already have. We've got the the withdrawal bill ready to go. Uh, oven ready, I think, is the term that's driving everybody up the, up the wall now. Um, and once that once that is delivered, then then there is an opportunity to build that trade deal very very quickly. We have already got a vast amount of trade between the European Union and ourselves. We need to put the rest of the, the regulatory alignment in place in order to facilitate it. But, you know, there's no reason why that needs to take years. Fair enough. Nick, what do you make of those comments? Well, I think that you've, you've heard Nigel Farage's stance on why he stood down um, the, the candidates in Conservative areas. And mm -hmm. I, up until the day before, as the Yorkshire Post reported, I was one of those guys. Right at the very beginning, we were told, we, we don't want to see a Corbyn government. So if there's to be an alliance on, on, on leave, it, it would naturally be with the Conservatives. Um, I can tell you that um, I, I felt that I would be one of the ones stood down, and the, the guy who was covering York Central, he kind of sacrificed his position so that, I, so that I could go through. But we did it in the, 
what we thought was the best interest of the country to step down in areas where our taking of some of the Conservative Party vote would perhaps give a chance for Labour to come in. Having said that, and I'll tell you now, I had a private, uh, we had a private approach in York, you know, and, and that, the basis of that was, well, if you do this, we'll do that. We didn't complete those discussions, but it's very interesting. The Brexit Party stood down the candidate, and what did the Conservative Party do? In spite of saying, you know, we'd give you a clean run in York Central, they put up a candidate. So th- th- there is, the issue of trust is, is a massive one, but our belief is that the deal that uh, has been negotiated is a terrible deal which actually prejudices all of the good things we want to see done post-Brexit with the NHS and social because basically we can't make our rules. And what I think the British people don't understand is the extent to which, as time moves forward in the, uh, with the European Union, even under Boris's deal, the extent to which we would be powerless. And there are people uh, from, uh, from both the Conservative and Brexit Party perspective who are saying, actually, this deal is worse than staying in. Our people don't know, for example, what PESCO is. Most people don't know that there's going to be alignment, complete alignment with European foreign policy. Uh, our armed forces being effectively sequestrated and under the control of the European Union. If people looked at the detail of this, they would say, my goodness, how could any political party have ever put that forward? And my hope is that during the next three weeks, the British people get to look at and have revealed what this deal was, and then, actually, I think there will be... That will put the cat amongst the pigeons. Richard, is this deal worse? (laughs) Well, I just want to come in on this point, because this this proves my exact point uh, about uh, having a referendum, having a future referendum. Uh, When we voted in 2016, we were told so many different versions of Brexit and what Brexit was and how ideal it was all going to be. Now I have in front of me two people sitting at the table who are both supporting Brexit, but uh, disagreeing profoundly about what Brexit actually is. One of them is supporting Boris Johnson's deal, and one of them says it's the worst thing to happen and we'd better off remaining. Now, in that situation, how can you possibly say that Brexit that we voted for in 2016 was uh, a single vision or was something that the majority of people in this country were united behind? Clearly not. Clearly the only way to resolve this would be to put it back to the people again and let them decide to vote between Johnson's deal and remain or to vote between Nick's vision of no deal and remain. But you cannot possibly say that there is a single version of Brexit that is on the table now that that you're united about. It it, it isn't a a vision necessarily of no deal. And you must remember, when I talked at the beginning about the whole principle of democracy we have, there's a concept called loser consent. And that concept means that if Jeremy Corbyn, or in my case in York, Rachel Maskell for Labour, was to keep the seat, I consent that she that that vote would be respected. Now, we know that there was a majority, 17.4 million people voted for leave. If you look, for example, at the referendum on whether there was going to be a parliament in Wales, it was an even tight... You know, we've, we've had tight elections in the past and tight referendi, but the issue is... Do we actually have a democracy or not? And I think if you and I, for example, were to sit and spend not 20 minutes, but actually the four of us and spend a whole day talking about these issues, we would find there were massive areas in which there would be common ground. What we've got at the moment is is a kind of binary choice between whether we're going to continue the the two-party system that we've had for years whether we're going or whether we're going to have something different and the brexit party whatever you say have already changed politics for good we've mixed it up and my hope would be that we actually beyond this exercise I, I, i'm i'm sort of standing for the brexit party but my vision to tell you the truth 
is beyond Brexit. What type of society we're going to create and this impasse that we've had for the last three and a half years gets nobody anywhere. That's why, I, that's why I'm standing for politics. I'm actually standing even not for my generation, for my kids. For, you, for your kids, what kind of society are we going to have? Well, I'll just come in on that. I mean, the vision of our society that the Brexit Party represents is one that is completely opposite to everything that uh, me and my supporters stand for. And the idea that we'll develop a consensus around a Brexit Party vision of the future post-Brexit is absolutely for the clouds. There's no way... That's not what I'm are, saying. I'm not well, saying that. I'm, I'm saying that, that the reason we're involved in this fight is not purely to stop Brexit, but it's, it's to, to stop the vision of our future Britain that the Brexit Party represents, which is basically a nationalistic vision, an anti-immigrant vision, um, a small-minded and little England vision of well, Britain. Just, just and, and you may not represent that, Nick, but your party no, no, certainly does. Actually, we don't, and I have to just stop you there. How could you sit across the table with a man who's already been described to you as the son of a Holocaust survivor and say that we... Because my colleagues are not like that. We are pro-European. We are, uh, you know, the, one of well, the I've reasons... Well, I've heard Nigel Farage's speeches, so I know what well, I'm talking about. May, maybe you do, but remember that it's not Nigel Farage alone who will, who will uh, that people are being asked to vote for. It's individual candidates like me. And I would say to you that, I mean, I'm probably about the youngest age that's coming up 65 to have been able to vote the first time around. And there were lots of good reasons for joining the EEC. We were only a short number of years from a war. We didn't want any further conflict in Europe. We wanted trade. We wanted all of the good things about friendship and economic co cooperation. But nobody told us, and if we had time to go through it, that nobody told us that what we were signing up for was to become a vassal state in a federal United States of Europe. And that's what we, as candidates, stand against. We have immense creativity in our country. We have immense ability. We, but we have to be able to organize our affairs without being ruled by an unelected technocracy in a mechanism in which Britain will not have a say in its own future. And that's the Brexit Party stance. And of all the candidates that I've met of every colour and flavour in the Brexit Party, that will be a common denominator in all of us. Right, we've heard from our experts for a little while there. We're now going to hear from my colleague Tally Fraser, who has been out on the streets speaking to people today about their views on Brexit and the state of politics as it stands. I've sort of interest because I've a clue what's going on. Nobody knows what they're doing. The people that's talking about it don't know what they're doing. wanted to come out. You know, and, and end the story. You know, if, if they don't like it this time, they're going to have another one. What's democracy? Brexit, initially, two and a half years ago, has turned out to be a complete mess. And I'm not so sure that the second referendum is not forthcoming. North and South, it's two different places. And what do you think about Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn? Do you like either of them? No, or do you, think? No. you can't get a straight answer out of them, can you? Well, they're politicians, aren't they? And then, then as soon as that they know that as soon as they finish, they'll get a big job. I mean, look at them all. They'll make a cock up, don't they? People on the ground have to pay for every time. Whatever they do and say, when it's good, they rake it off. When it's bad, rake it off us. And it's just, it's just a total... We, we must be a laughing stock at world. Well, I don't know which one is the best and which one is not best, you know. Mm -hmm. So you can't trust her, you know. So we heard from some people on the street there amid the wind that Tally was trying to battle with. Um, and it's, it's a lot of the same message, isn't it? People feeling let down by politics, that they can't trust politicians, that they're abstaining from voting. I mean, Bill, what's your, what's your kind of reaction to what we heard there? 
I think there's a lot of undecided people out there, mm. uh, and I don't blame them for being undecided because they're in a quagmire. The politicians have created this quagmire against each other. They're all blaming each other for the failures to get Brexit uh, through Parliament. And I think, you know, demonising politicians who quite rightfully stand up for the views of their member of their constituents. And also some of our politicians have been extremely brave in putting their own principles against the wishes of the communi communities that which they serve. When the our politicians are not mandated by the communities. They're, they're there, they're put there to do a job and they're judged every election if they've done the job that the constituents wanted them to. All this, you know, do as we say, would lead to a terrible um, democratic uh, situation if MPs had to switch from side to side depending on what a few people in the constituencies actually said. So I'm not, I, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm concerned that a lot of people still are not grasping the issues. There's still a lot of misinformation out there. There's, there's all kinds of claims and counterclaims being made, particularly around Brexit. And people are no, it's no wonder that people are fed up. They don't know whether to turn left or right or stay as they are. Um, so, you know, it, it is going to be an issue. And I think this election is probably about Im the most important one that I've seen in my lifetime as to the direction of the country in future. Yeah. If we want to be a small island state with a brick wall up, uh, not allowing people uh, to come in and work, uh, or our people to leave and go and work and love and live in the EU, then and and, and be alone in a in a world of global trade, then you know let's go for Brexit. If we want to be integrated and tear down barriers, um, then you know let's have a sensible Brexit agreement where we trade, we travel, we love, we live, and we can actually use the EU to our advantage in accessing other trade uh, markets around the world. What we don't want to be is in the middle of the Atlantic without a paddle, subject to maybe either Chinese or American, massive economic pressure to agree to trade deals that will lower our standards, both uh, in terms of regulations about quality, workers' rights and environmental standards. We've seen what's on offer around the world, and if you look at what Europe has, in terms of its standards, we've benefited greatly over the last 30 to 40 years in terms of standard of living and in terms of our quality of life. And I think to throw that away without giving the people an option is just harry-carry. Absolutely. Now, you know, the, the rest of you, Richard and Nick and Stuart, you're all, to varying degrees, trying to get members of the public to kind of take on your message and, you know, support you in your various, various aims. And... One of the things that I've been concerned about this election is because of the fragmentation of the vote, where, you know, you might have traditionally voted Labour or Tory, and now there's mm. left for a place to vote for, and voting is divided along a lot of lines. I'm concerned whether people will actually turn out to vote at all. Mm. Now, is that a worry for any of you? You know, I mean, I know, I know, Richard, obviously you're not campaigning for election as such, but you are, you know, mm. concerned about people who would turn out to vote for your aims. Well, our main concern is partly that, yes, we've done all the work recently uh, on voter registration. Mm -hmm. we, we read the other day, I think it was in the Yorkshire Post, 
that 25% of uh, eligible voters in Leeds, in parts of Leeds, are not registered to vote. Mm -hmm. So we've been really pushing that. We've been out in Leeds Northwest, uh, your constituency, Stuart, recently trying to get the students registered and trying to get the uh, turnout up. That's number one. Number two, from our point of view, is the risk that the Remain vote is fragmented between uh, different options for Remain. You've got the Liberal Democrats, you've got the Labour Party to some extent, and you've got the Green Party uh, all offering variants on a referendum or a Remain option, uh, whereas the Brexit Party have um, made this move to basically hand over 300-plus seats to the Conservatives, which is um, you know, really a bit of a betrayal of democracy for its candidates and for the people who might have wanted to vote for the Brexit Party and might have shared Nick's uh, view that the Boris Johnson deal is is uh, bad for Britain and is actually worse than uh, remaining. So that's that's a concern that we're going to get a distorted result, in a very distorted electoral system that we have in this country, uh, and we are urging uh, people to look at their tactical voting options to make sure that they don't allow um, a minority conservative candidate to win a seat purely because the Brexit party have stood aside uh, and, and that the Labour, Liberal Democrat, Green vote is fragmented. Very important that if you don't want uh, Brexit to go ahead, you look at the candidate best place to, to stop that happening. Now we touched a bit earlier on the decision by Nigel Farage not to stand in Tory areas. Nick, I'm going to come to you on that in just a second, but Stuart, as a, as a Conservative member, as a Conservative candidate, you know, will this hurt the Tory party as well? Because you need to win those seats if you want a majority. Are the Brexit party standing candidates in Labour seats going to harm your chances of taking those seats off Labour? Well, I think what I would say is we've got, uh, you know, taking the North East, for example, we've got a number of seats where they are uh, majority leave voting seats. Uh, previously elected Labour members of Parliament, including with pretty small majorities uh, in places like uh, Dyke Darlington, um, Stockton South, Bishop Auckland, well, we've got fantastic candidates mm -hmm. in those seats. Uh, and what I would say is that if you vote for Brexit Party in those, in those seats, you would take away the likelihood of that candidate that, that is most likely to be able to represent you. And you know, those Conservative candidates in those seats are the ones that can get a majority government that can deliver on that Brexit argument, but also on all of the other things that this election is about. So the Brexit Party could stop the Tories getting a majority? Well, uh, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I bow to people like John Curtis and, and others like that you know, to tell you where the, where the votes are going to come from. But uh, you know, what, what's clear is that there is only one way to guarantee that Brexit happens, and that is to vote for a Conservative majority government on the 12th of December. What do you say to that, Nick? Well, you won't be surprised that I would have a different view. Um, I, I'm going to go back to you know the, the question about mm. Nigel Farage. He he had to um, make a call on this, and you probably saw the campaign in the Mail, for example, where they named every single Brexit Party candidate. Some of my colleagues were harassed. It, it, I mean, the, the, there is a, a real serious uh, matter there. But he took a view that um, because we would see the best chance of ultimately achieving a, a proper Brexit to be with an alliance uh, of uh, from parties who had leave um, MPs but, and of course predominantly the, the Conservatives. He took that view and we, we believe it was the right thing to do. But I think, going back to the conversation a, a moment ago, we, about our trading ability, I mean, 
we were one of the greatest trading nations in the history of the world before we even joined the EEC. The idea that we couldn't actually forge an, an, a, a destiny in friendship and cooperation, but with some level of independence from political control, is complete nonsense. The big issue here, and I haven't seen this in the, in the press, but just think of this. When Britain leaves the European Union, which it ultimately will, it's not as though the European Union goes down from 28 to 27 members. We're the fifth largest economy in the world. We, our economy is the size of the smallest 19 nations. So what that means is, you know, when a family has less income, what it does is it tightens its belt. There is no chance that that happens with the European Union, and it'll be Germany that picks up the tab. Now, we believe that, as a, as a party, that our best, the best interests of the nation are in leaving the European Union and of course there'll have to be trading arrangements as there are as we already have with you know the idea that suddenly we won't be able to get medicines or fresh it's just nonsense look in your fridge at the fresh fruit that came to you from Chile or wherever you know that I import things from India they come once they arrive at port I have them within two and a half days so there's a there's a lot of false narrative in this and the and the, the key thing for me is what happens beyond we have to get past this hurdle and I believe that you need fresh thinking in Parliament. You have to have fresh... I mean, a brilliant example would be all the parties, uh, all the mainstream parties talking about climate change mm -hmm. and about we'll, we'll, we'll grow more trees. Well, you know, we already do grow millions of trees in Latvia, in Scotland, in, the Canada, in Canada and the United States. And what do we do? We harvest them with diesel machines, bring them on diesel ships, unload them at Liverpool, and we burn them on top of the Selby coalfield at Drax Power Station used to produce 8% of all Britain's energy. And what, what happens now? The, the, they've had withdrawn 100 million grant for a carbon capture technology. It's that sort of nonsense that we, that, uh, that we have to get away from, and we need fresh thinking with people who understand the issues to get it done. So I can just come in there. The idea that the Brexit party is in favour of doing something to tackle climate change is absolutely laughable. Uh, Nigel Farage, I believe, on last night's... Uh, programme on, on the telly was asked about climate change and he expressed no interest in it whatsoever. Uh, the, the Brexit party has no policies to tackle climate change and is no in, not interested and to be fair to the okay. other parties, Labour, Liberal Democrats, the Greens have policies on climate change. The Brexit party, it, it is laughable to say that they, they care about climate change or even recognise okay, its well, existence. You're, you're laughing but let me just ask you a couple of questions because I've said to you earlier on that the people involved in the party are all educated people from different spheres. Do you know how much carbon dioxide is in the atmosphere here in Leeds? Can you tell me? Well, I can. It's what's, 400. What's, what's the relevance? The relevance, the relevance is this. <laughs> We're not here to well, do quizzes. No, but just listen. It's 400 parts per million, okay? When you breathe out, it's 38,000 parts per million. Now, if we were 200 people in this room, when it got to 2,000, we'd all have headaches. There are people within the party who don't understand that the climate in the world increase in temperature by 03 uh, degrees in the, la in the 40 years between 1975 and 2015. There are people, one of my uh, good pals runs a company in Scotland who's had a, a grant for um, developing a, a system of uh, um, seawater, seabed current um, transformers and uh, generators to provide clean energy for, for island communities. It, the Brexit party is six months old. You cannot generalise because you do not know the people concerned. I'm sorry, Nick. I'm going to have to break it to you, but the Brexit party is the Nigel Farage party. The, you ask the general public how many candidates they know apart from Nigel. And with respect to you, Nick, 
0.1% of them will have exactly. heard of a candidate other than Nigel Farage. It is the Nigel and Farage if what party. I said is true. And whatever he says about climate change, I'm afraid that's your policy. And you, you're going to have to have a look at what he's saying. Can I come in here? Because I've got to agree with my colleague here from Leeds Remain. The Brexit party is the Nigel Farage party. Could you imagine what would happen in the press if either Jeremy Corbyn or Boris Johnson decided to stand down 326 of his candidates. Can you imagine the attack on democracy that that would cause? Nigel Farage runs that party, his mates finance it, and whatever happens to the good people that have joined us as candidates, they will do what Nigel Farage has done. And I've spoken to Nigel Farage on climate change. He believes it's all a hoax, like his mate in Washington. He's got no plans to deal with it. And if you're talking about Drax, I know all about Drax. I was, at the, I was there last week looking at the carbon capture scheme. It was, it was torpedoed by the Tory government. We had a plan in place agree with that. On, on, on climate change. It was torpedoed. And I sit on international and European mm-hmm. committees on climate change. And the British government is lying through its teeth. The carbon emissions are going up, not going down. And one of the things that I'm really annoyed with the uh, Conservative government of the past 10 years, every time I've banged on their door with ideas about climate change, about working together in partnership with business, sorted out arrangements for workers who are going to be displaced, I've had one answer and one answer alone. The market will decide. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to carry on like that, then we've got no chance of addressing the climate issues affecting Leeds and I can tell you Leeds is one of the worst places for the, the people that live here for having lung disease having breathing mm. problems because of the quality of the air and we need to get on with that it's no good coming out mm-hmm. with these silly banded about figures that every time I breathe out I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm but it's, n- it's not that I mean the point I'm trying to make is that, that you, you know you, you're saying that it's it's only for us we we, in, we operate within the party. We were all told right at the very beginning, you'll have to stand down if we, if we do a pact with the leader. We were also told, you're like the managing directors of your own campaigns. You know, if we're able to secure seats in Parliament, you, know, you have people like my friend Cully in uh, Bradford, he's called Vindermanic, you know, a psychiatrist, a, a national health doctor, a barrister, educated people who understand the issues, who can provide credible solutions but remember the party six months old you'll hear more policies from the brexit party on friday but you know we weren't part of the political establishment you know at the beginning of this year we weren't part of the political establishment when i made my films back in april i suggest so, you get organized because most of the most of the people that you're talking about sound like they're on zero hour contracts to nigel farage and he can he can tell From you to union. come he can tell you to come or go at a drop uh, of a hat Stuart, anything to add just Not before we wrap up Look, I, the, the, this part of, uh, of our conversation started about um, uh, you know how politicians were, mm. and, and the comment was made around how politicians have been treated. And, mm. and, you know, and I, I would support that that comment. I think there has been uh, a real uh, decrease in the, the um, in the way that we we deal with each other, in the way way that politicians are referred to, in the way that politicians refer to each other. Uh, and what I think we need to get back to is a point of, of respecting that we all have different views uh, and getting back to that position. Conversations like this around the table are, I think, you know, are really, really helpful. But more of that, recognising that people have come from different positions, hold different positions, doesn't mean that they are wrong. 
where where I think you know some of the the language that's been used in the debate, um, social media doesn't help that at all, and some of the abuse that I know um, members of parliament up until dissolution and, and candidates now do get on a day to day basis is you know is wholly wrong, mm. uh, and we need to do more and more to to stop that and to to get back some civility in the in the discourse. Absolutely. Now, my last question to you all. We're going to go around the table, and I'm going to ask you. Uh, what, what you think is going to happen on December the 12th what are we going to wake up to on December 13th and what you would like to see happen now those might be different answers what we want is not always what we get um, if we can keep our answers short and sweet and then we can wrap up Richard you go first well I, I look at the opinion polls like other people do and I, I have to say I fear um, that we might have a conservative majority government on December the 13th so uh, I as I said earlier would advise people who don't want that to happen to look at their options to look at tactical voting options which is going to be incredibly important in this election um, because the majority of people in this country actually want to remain in the European Union that has been shown consistently in opinion polls over the past two years and it would be a disaster for this country if we ended up with a government that is determined to drive through an appalling hard Brexit that Boris Johnson's deal represents. So what I would like to happen uh, would be for uh, the Conservatives not to win a majority uh, and preferably for um, the, the remain parties to come together, probably in a coalition, uh, and, and basically bring an end to this nightmare, bring an end to it, cancel Brexit, or give us a referendum and cancel Brexit, and let's get on with the real issues that this country has to deal with, which we all know, and those people on the street know very well, there are a lot of them. Let's get back to that. Stuart, presumably you don't fear a Tory majority? No, um, no I don't. I, I, my, my expectation at this point is that the Conservative Party will be in government on the 13th of uh, December, but there's an awful lot of work to do to get to that point. You know, not a single ballot has been uh, cast yet. You know, a votes, votes will start coming out to postal voters at the beginning of next week, uh, but it won't be until then, and we have to, uh, we have to continue to work hard for it. I, you know, that's what I'd like to see, and it, what I genuinely think is the most likely outcome at this point. But as I say, far from being complacent, we have to work for every vote. Absolutely, Nick. Well, I I would say that uh, just as with the EU referendum, uh, the pundits got it wrong, and uh, I think there's going to be a real political upset. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the two main parties got a bloody nose mm -hmm. in this election. I would expect that, um, the, 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 well, I actually believe there won't be an overall majority for any party, not a working majority. Uh, my hope would be that we, were, as a party, as a Brexit party, would be able to get maybe 40 to 60 seats. That, that might sound an outrageous comment now, but with three weeks to go and a lot of revelation to come out between now and then. And I think with uh, some fresh blood in Parliament, uh, creative, experienced people who are not from a political background, there's a chance of us working towards uh, a solution to end the Brexit nightmare and begin to organise our affairs, start to concentrate then on the pressing issues of our time like the health service, climate change, social service, mental health mm -hmm. issues, etc. Uh, but we've got to get past this hurdle first. Sure, Bill, round us off. Right. Um, I don't particularly listen to opinion polls. I think over the past few years they've been totally wrong. Uh, I tend to keep my ear close to the ground. I think society's polarised. I think we won't see much change in terms of the overall result, so I don't think there'll be 
uh, a majority government of any colour um, able to break the deadlock. My view would be, I, what I'd like to see is a sensible um, agreement coming back to the British people where jobs were protected, people's rights were protected at work, environmental standards maintained. And also, because of the split in the in the voting uh, during the referendum and beyond, I think uh, an option to remain in the EU um, should also be on the ballot paper. If we did that, I think we could be healing our country in the next 12 months and getting a sensible, pragmatic solution to this whole mess that's being created by a few people on the right thinking, dreaming back to the days of colonialism and workers touching their caps. We need a sensible solution. Well, thank you for joining us, Nick Skeeler, Bill Adams, Richard Wilson and Stuart Harper. I've been Jerry Scott and you've been listening to the Yorkshire Post's political podcast, Pod's Own Country. You can find us wherever you normally get your podcasts. Please do leave us a review, rate us and subscribe. Tell all your friends because this is the only place you're going to get your Yorkshire news through the election. Thank you very much. Join us again next week. Why do phone plans come with a catch? With 48, they don't. 100 gigs, all calls, all texts for 10.99. Forever. And a free gig to try a reliable 4G network before you buy. Just 10.99. 10.99. 10.99. 10.99. Simple. Any way you hear it. 48. Changing up mobile. Fair use applies. See 48.e.